Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is football and random things presented by Iowa Diamond. And Jeff Woody has all of the tuna out of his mouth. Is this episode 10? No, this is episode 9. Damn it. I was... Why? Did you... Are you judging me for eating a tuna sandwich? No, it's just funny the way you... We were getting ready to record and you said, one sec, let me get all the tuna out of my mouth. Because after we got your review of Star is Born. Which, if you've... Ne- I, I saw it back like three or four weeks ago, but I just... Today, I've just been jamming to the playlist because it, it's on Spotify. And it's super good. Like, if you've never... S- one, I'm a giant softie. Just am. I'm in touch with my emotions and that's okay. But I, I'm a crier at movies and I definitely cried. Very good. And you laughed because Casey and I were talking about it because she's seen it. And she said, oh, I thought I was going to ball. And then I said, I did. And you laughed, which makes it seem like you're judging me for having emotions. I am. This is a healthy, normal thing for humans to have is emotions. You can like laugh at certain things and be disappointed by things and like be sad with certain things and then come out the other side. There's only one movie that makes me cry. It's uh, The Bridge to Terabithia. Have you seen that movie? I have not seen The Bridge to Terabithia. Oh my God, it's so sad. Have you dude. never seen Marley and it's Me? It's like torture. No, I don't want, oh I don't God. like sad movies. I don't want to see a dog die. I don't want anything like that. that. Talk about how like straight up crying. Like A Star is Born, it's, it gets you to be like, like emotional when you're not like, like in a different way than you'd expect. Like it's, it's sad, but like it's not necessarily like... Like, it's not the sadness that makes you... It's, like, the tug-on-your-heartstrings type, like, relationship dynamic between him and, like, a lot of people. And uh, so that gets you to, to, to get up. But, like, Marley and me, like, that's a straight, like, kick to the feels for, like, 10 minutes. That's what Bridge to Terabithia is, too. Like, they're going out of their way to make it... Yeah. Can you tell we played Kansas this week? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're digging into a tuna sandwich and a star is born. Well, and we were talking about Post Malone before the we even started recording he the podcast. He is a human that looks like he smells. And I've heard that he actually does smell. Yeah. And like, I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Well, when you see uh, someone with hair like what he's got, I think it's just, you can generally assume well, and nobody, that he probably doesn't smell very good. And I think... Because I don't think you can wash your hair for a long time to... Have your hair look like that. Well, I think if also if someone has like a number of face tattoos, that hygiene is probably like lower on the list than it is for most people because that kind of like the whole like professionalism and appearance kind of goes with like showering. And like if you don't care enough to put tattoos under your eyeballs, like and it's not even like the you were forced to get it because like I'm not going to say like, yeah, it's cool if gang members get it, but like. There's a lot of social pressure. Well, if, I mean, if you let's like, not, the, let's not go out and say that. Yeah, it's cool if you're. A, but I'm not saying it's cool. But like, there's social pressure, so there's oh, like an yeah, understanded yeah. reason. Yeah. Where you'd be like, or understand it, understood you, reason. You also you, probably committed murder. Or yeah, something. you probably did. But like, the, like that's the. It's like understandable. Like, you chose to do this, but there are forces behind your choice that make sense. Where Post Malone just got stuff tattooed on his face for no reason, just because he can, and. Uh, I think if you are a person who is doing that and just putting, ta- hey, no offense to the face tat crowd, uh, Steve is the one guy that's just listening. Just one guy has face tattoos and his name is Steve. Uh, but anyway, like the, the guy with face tattoos doesn't care about hygiene and that I think accurately reflects Post Malone. Fair enough. 
We'll be right back after a quick message from Iowa Diamond here on Football and Random Things. This is Iowa Diamond President Chuck Kuba. After 20 years of serving engagement and wedding couples, I can't help but reflect back on the thousands of wonderful folks we've helped and ask myself, how can we be so lucky? Is it our incredible ring selection or the quiet private atmosphere? Then came the epiphany. Out of all the people in the world, we make you feel like you are the most important people in the world. Because at that moment, to all of us at Iowa Diamond, you are. Visit us at iowadiamond.com or in person anytime. You'll see what I mean. Welcome back to the podcast. That is probably the last time we'll talk about Post Malone today, but no, I'm it, not going to bet No, it's it. not. We can't say. There is no confidence that either probably. one of us. There's no. We, can even, we can't even say probably because we don't have any idea of where this. We have. <laughs> I need mean, a view behind the curtain. Like I already have a feeling that it, this podcast will end with us talking about Post Malone for some reason. For some, but the view behind the curtain. Like we have general themes that we want to talk about, but other than like the loose laid floor, like just the loose laid lattice of the show, it's meant to be like I don't know, just wherever the hell Jeff takes this. That's kind of where the show ends up. Well, there is one thing that I can say without a doubt about football. That is, Kansas is bad at it. Kansas is not good at the football. No, not good at the football. And can we say another strikingly obvious thing? Yeah. Number 18 is good at the football. Yeah, number 18 is good at the football. Number 10 also, quite good at the football. I think we forget about number 10 Number sometimes. 10, uh, the defensive number 10? Yes, correct. Yes, he is uh, good at swatting the football. Swatting the football, taking the football away when someone actually catches it, yep. when it's thrown his direction, which yep. is generally a Usually ill-advised people, choice. People don't do that often. Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, can we like, I mean, right before we get to the game, can I just exclaim another like chorus of stupidity at the Kansas football program? Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? There is, okay. I think, I don't know if we went through this last time, but just the timeline of stupid decisions, the Kansas football program is gone. And so my, uh, I went down, my grandparents live in Topeka, which is just west of Lawrence. And so it's like a 30 minute drive. So I drove down there, stayed with them and then went to the game with my grandpa. Well, I get down there and, and my grandpa Ron is like, he, he watched like maybe two or three Iowa State games whenever they're on, you know, in Kansas, which is enough. And he's not doing something on a Saturday. He's not an avid football fan. He went because he wanted to go with me. So anyway, uh, we, he's, how were your seats? <laughs> I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um, but he's asking, like, so how do they get so bad? Because he's around, but, like, they don't care. Like, no one in Kansas cares about Kansas football, which is problem number one. But that's a chicken and the egg situation. If you're terrible, no one cares. If, you're, if no one cares, you become terrible. But if we, if we timeline back this whole thing, when Mark Mangino was there, and I don't think I think Mark Mangino is a good head coach. I don't think he's a good, I mean, he, he was with Oklahoma when they won their national title. So like, he's probably a good coach in his own right at some point in some level, but I think he's a better administrator than he is a coach. So, um, anyway, they, Mark Mangino's down there and they get like the Todd Reesing, like the, the Briscoe, like the, the really good Kansas Terry Meyer, teams. Keep to leave. Yeah. The, yeah. the really good Kansas teams and they become really good. And then, he does his abuse thing, which I, this is no, no surprise to anybody who, because Mark Mangino was at Iowa State, and he's a, like a dick. He's a dick. Like, no, no way around it to his players, to his staff, to his whatever. He's a dick. And so they fire him essentially for being a dick. Like, it's abuse allegations, but it's just, 
being a dick. Stop being an asshole. Yeah, exactly. And they fired him. So they get rid of him and they bring in Turner Gill. Okay. So when you fire a coach, that's a breach. I mean, it's not necessarily a breach of contract, but it's termination of a contract. So you have to buy out the rest of that contract unless it's firing with cause. I'm pretty sure they didn't fire Mangino with cause because the allegations were never proven true. It was just, don't be a dick. So you have to buy Mark Mangino's contract and then also Turner Gill's, Turner Gill's contract. At the time, they were good. That became, they were still, like, people were attending the games. They were still drawing, like, crowds. There was money in the bank. And they, buy, they get Turner Gill, which that was a horrible hire. Just a terrible hire. I mean, it wasn't that bad. No, well, it was he, a bad hire. He had done a fine job at Buffalo before that. Yeah, but like, as far as a culture fit, like, oh, well, it yeah, was just no. a horrible fit. It was, it was a... A glove that time, on a foot. At that time, Turner Gill was being considered for most every Power Five job that was coming open. Well, you know? and and so that this, was not a bad hire in the in the sense of like the, getting that coach. From well, neither was Gene Chizik. So like when so you get you get this coach and he comes in there and it's a terrible fit. And like the reason why it's a terrible fit, uh, and this is not necessarily uh, it's not firsthand accounts. Obviously, I didn't play at Kansas, but I talked with enough guys that did play at Kansas um, that. They and again, so this is take it for what it's worth. It's second. It's a grapevine story. But one of the things, as far as like he was a real dis, I do know this. He was a really disciplinarian style coach. He mm-hmm. was very uh, by the book, by the rules. You do it my way. You do the high, get out in the highway. You know whatever. And one of the rules that he had, and this is just kind of a, a, a little microcosm of it, is that you had you were not allowed to have women in your apartment after eight. That is girlfriends, moms, sisters, tutors. Anybody, you are not allowed to have women in your apartment after eight and they would do bed checks. Okay, you're already a program that was just up and sort of kind of for the first time in a long time, okay. Mm-hmm. And now Kansas is trying to recruit the same guys that let's say, I don't know, Missouri is trying to recruit. And Missouri has Gary Pinkle and Gary Pinkle's like, come play, this is fun. Like you're playing in front of a crowd, you're gonna have some fun, it's a good university. I mean. Kansas isn't necessarily, it's a really good academic school, so you could sell that, but like Mizzou, you know, whatever, you're recruiting against that. And so now somebody else has something like, you know, you can't have girls in your apartment after eight. And then they suck. And so now you suck with a disciplinarian, and there's stupid rules like that that you can't have. So no one wants to go to Kansas. So their recruiting suffers. They suck. They fire Turner Gill after two years. Keep in mind, they've already been paying Mark Mangino's buyout. Now they hire and fire Turner Gill after two seasons. They fire Turner Gill. So now you're on the hook for Mangino, Turner Gill, and the new coach, which is... Charlie Weiss. So they hired Charlie Weiss for three years for an exorbitant amount of money because he had just gotten canned by North or by Notre Dame. So they get fire a coach, pay his buyout, hire another coach for two years, pay his buyout, then hire another coach for three years. They suck still. And they fire him and pay his buyout. And so now... And meanwhile, he... Runs the recruiting and everything completely into the ground. Exactly. And now, and putting them in a position now where they can't even fill their entire 85 scholarship. And so then you hire David Beatty. Mm -hmm. And so objectively, Kansas was getting better this season, but they had just gotten Charlie Weiss off their books, right? And he'd been there for, this is Beatty's third year, second, second, third year. Right? Somewhere in there. It's like his third or fourth year. Okay, so third or fourth year. Six and, like six and... 39 or something in this time. Okay, so they were digging digging out of a deep hole. But now you're paying for, they had probably got Mangino off the books sometime in the Charlie Weiss era. But for the past 10 years, you've been paying for three head coaches to get one. Because you have... And the one that you got had never been a head coach 
outside of the high school level and had been a receiving coach, a receivers coach, and a recruiting coordinator before you hired him as your head but coach. But that's the only guy you could afford. You yeah. can't get another high-priced coach because you're already paying like $13 million for a head coaching salary. Jimbo Fisher's getting like nine at Texas A&M, and they're probably paying the rest of Kevin Sumlin's uh, salary, which is whatever. But like Texas A&M is probably paying about the same money for Kevin Sumlin's buyout and Jimbo Fisher, and you're paying for Turner Gill... Charlie Weiss and David Beatty because you've already sunk yourself so deep into a financial hole that you suck. Recruiting went down. You don't have enough money to get a good coach, which then you hire another coach, which recruiting goes down and you can't pay for another coach. And then they just fired David Beatty, who's making them get better. Like, what are you doing? Wow, that was really loud. What are you doing? There's no sense to that. Unless you are sure that the next guy you get is your dude, you better be damn well sure that you are like going to be there because Bill Self is running that basketball program by himself. But the rest of Kansas athletics, are they okay? Like women's basketball? No, nope, eh. they're not very good. Eh. Yeah, Volleyball's okay, I would assume. Wrestling, yeah, I don't even have a wrestling team. program. Yeah, no, they don't have a wrestling team. <laughs> they have a baseball team. I don't think they're any good. I don't know. They have one. And so like the rest, outside of Kansas ba- men's basketball, what are they good at? And so it's buoying this athletic program that just makes terrible decision after terrible decision. And you would think like the board of directors at some point or the president of the university, whoever makes the decision at some point has to look at the rest of the stuff and be like, Hey, Bill, you just take off to the side. You tell us who you like. We're going to make sure that you're good with whatever we get. We're going to personally take care of that. The rest of the programs, this new athletic director is going to be in charge of, but like they fired David Beatty. What are you guys doing? Like, that makes such little sense to me. Well, uh, in defense of Jeff Long, their athletic director, he is new. And I think that from the day that he took the job, it was kind of a ticking clock as to when he was going to fire David Beatty, basically to get his own guy. And from everything that I've been reading today. Is it Brett Bielema? No, it won't be Brett Bielema. That's who he hired at Arkansas. That Jeff that Long didn't work is, out. yeah, is, you know that, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I was just making sure. That's why I, I, I didn't know if you like threw that out there. That's why but, I joked. Okay, yeah. About Bielma. I, yeah, I was making sure that you actually knew that that was who he hired. But uh, no, he. <laughs> the rumor is that uh, Les Miles wants the job. Kansas. Yeah. How much? What? Yeah. How? He's he's how candidate they, number one. How are they going right to afford Les Miles? I don't know. Les Miles probably. I would think he just I think he just wants to get back into coaching honestly. I think he'd do about anything right now. That you bet and I, So like okay, you get Les Miles who's been an SEC coach for for a long time and has been at a successful program for a really long time. And so he's, he he was also in the Big 12 at one point as well. Where? Oklahoma State. He was there before Gundy. Okay. That's where he would like rose up to eventually get the LSU job. Hmm. But that I mean okay, so if you get Les Miles, sure. But now what happens if Les Miles was a bad fit? Like if because he's been used to being coaching at a successful program, he's been used to been he, he's used to have been driving, you know, an F-250. And now you give him a Hyundai Sonata and like a 19, like a <laughs> 1993 uh, Hyundai Sonata. Not yet. Not even a new one. Yeah. And he's not comfortable driving it. And it doesn't look very good. And he ends up driving it on the road because he's not able to coach a bad program. He's not dug a bad one out of a good like what happens then? Now, Les Miles isn't going to be cheap. So you're digging yourself another giant hole. That, you know what? Uh, you know, that's... It's time for one thing, Jeff. 
it's time for the triple option in Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> Jeff Monken, it's time. It's time. Someone, Ken Niamatololo. One of yeah. If you'll take your calls, hell yeah. I'm I'm dead serious, dude. You, They're that so that bad. should be their number one priority right now. They're so bad. Go completely the opposite direction. Well, that's that, what they what, said about what Iowa other State. Do they have? I mean, that's what they said about Iowa State. I, I feel like so. So let's say they do get less miles. That would be like the last straw in being like, okay, well, we can't do this the normal way. You'd have to at some point go after that. But just see, but even at Iowa State, okay, yeah, you say that at Iowa State, they should have gone and done like people were saying that. But there had been, it had been proven in the past that there was a blueprint for Iowa State to have some relative level of success in recent history. Paul Rhodes had had some success playing the normal way when you were there and when you guys were going to bowl games. Mm -hmm. Kansas hasn't been to a bowl game in 10 years. And they've had one coach in 20 years that has ever had success with Kansas football. One coach. And so at this point, I think it is quite clear there is very, very little blueprint for any sort of success at the University of Kansas when it comes to playing football. Which that is why it's like, all right, man, I got nothing. Like, let's let's go all the way out and let's go bring in something that nobody else does. And that's like our only other option, because the other part of it is, too, they can't recruit anybody. They which blows my mind because that's like if. Well, that's one of my favorite. So I was, I, again, talking to my grandpa Ron, like I had talked it, genuinely playing the hypothetical situation in which I didn't play football. I very, I would have very strongly considered the University of Kansas because it's a really good school. Like it's a good school. It's a beautiful campus. Lawrence is actually really, it, Lawrence is nice. It, it's very much like Ames. And like, dude, there's, they, uh, they sell beer for $1 at the college bars and in Lawrence. See? Like it's a, it is a cool place which it, so it astounds I was blown me. Away. It astounds me that you can't recruit there. Yeah. Because granted they suck. So like you're coming in like Iowa would be a good recruiting ground for Kansas because I mean Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, like those obviously I mean, they're 500 500 mile radius. Yeah, and so like that's that's in your general vicinity. And so so teams like Minnesota who get like these Eastern Iowa kids that go up there, Kansas would be doing the same thing with like Des Moines kids or like, you know, your your Harlan kids. But I, I, I can see how a lack of success or a lack of expectation of success. Like you can't even sell the the chance that you're going to be good. Well, go, I mean, okay. So you, you, you were at the game, obviously. Yeah. What the hell did you see there that you would go on an official visit and you would be like, you know what, man, I want to come play. Here. But I, I'm, I'm like, I'm just thinking like if sales is all about framing. And so like recruiting is just sales. You're just selling a university yeah. instead of things. And so your framing is you can be part of the change. This isn't good right now. You can be part of the change. The things that you can be, the things you have access to are you don't take them to a football game. You take them to a basketball game. You take them to Allen Fieldhouse. This is what our fan base is. This is what our fan base can be. And now walk around the campus. Here's the academic stuff. You don't sell like, here's, here's the best we can do. That's all we got. There's 18,000 people here and 12,000 of them are Iowa State fans. See, and this you is, come? This is what's so crazy to me. It's like, even if you're, you're like, all right, come and be the change, realistically, but that's Puka I mean. Williams, if Puka Williams goes to a bowl game in his career at Kansas, that guy's is pretty good. I think that we could agree that mm -hmm. kid is pretty good. He's teensy. He is, yeah. He's not very big, but he's pretty good. I think that... Honestly, I, I think, think number 10 Joel, is better. Joe Deneen, the like their running yeah. back, leads the, linebacker. Or the linebacker leads the Big 12 in tackles. 
those guys are never going to play in a bowl game in their career. I would even wager that the next class that they're going to sign will never play in a bowl game in their career. And so that's, I mean, I, I get that, but like the, the, it astounds so you're not, me. you're like saying, okay, be a part of the change. There's like, the hole is so deep. I don't even think they can be part of the change because it's going to take too long for the change to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying like you, the, the, the stuff they have outside of football success is act, like the university is good. The fan base can be like, again, look at basketball. They've had granted. It is a lot longer history of success with basketball, but the basketball fans at Kansas are very similar to the basketball fans at Iowa state. They're just, I would say a little more obnoxious, but I'm also on the other side of it, but like, that's what the fan base can become, but they're just not good. And so like you just, you just have to have the capacity to say that you're getting better. And so like that, that's what like David Beatty was getting better. Like they were improving. They had, three wins this year so far, as opposed to what two the year before and like zero the previous three, like they were improving. He was just digging himself out of such a deep shit pile that he like, you're going to need a little bit more time. So let's say you, let's say you, you think you can get less miles. What happens if you don't, you just fired your best chance. See, and that's what that, that is where I think them, if they're going to make this move, them doing it right now, is the right thing because right now there's only two power five openings and that's at Kansas and in Maryland. Would you want to go and walk into the dumpster fire? That is the university of Maryland <laughs> right now. That's even worse than Kansas. So if anybody out there is like, okay, I want to make a jump to the power five, whether, okay, less miles, throw him out of the equation, whether or not it's, uh, the guy at, um, at North Texas who has done a really nice job has, mm -hmm. has turned them into a, a pretty solid program. Uh, uh, Troy Neal, I think is his name Say at, guy, uh, like Fres at, or like Fresno at State. Troy. Uh, the guy at yeah, uh, yeah, Jeff Tedford at, at Fresno State. Like, there's a bunch of guys that are in that conversation. It's like, if you want to do that, I think they're just like, all right, we just need to do it now before there's a bunch of jobs that are open and we're competing with a bunch of people. It's like, we got to be the first ones on the block, I think, if we're going to get our, our – you know, have any sort of pick of the litter or else eventually it's all going to dry up. And then you end up with another guy like David Beatty, who is, who was a receivers coach because there's nobody left and nobody wants to go and coach for you. I, it still just blows my mind because I, I again, I think that Beatty was, Beatty has been doing a good job. He's been fighting a significantly uphill battle. So you better be sure that the next guy you get is good because otherwise you turn into the Cleveland Browns and you have how many coaches in how many years? I mean, back when Mangino's last year was 2009, right? So between 09 and today, which is nine seasons, you've had four head coaches about to be five and 10 seasons. What? Like, you, you don't have... And you've won... Okay, Turner Gill won five games in two years. Charlie Wright. Charlie Weiss won, won six. And David Beatty has won six. So they've won 17 games... In 10 or nine years. In nine years. Since Mark Mangino. Since Mark Mangino, correct. You better be sure, Kansas. Bring him back. Do you want to know how bad? Back this to the Mangino era. <laughs> Let's run it back. Tommy. Tommy. Oh yes, there we go. Tommy you Mangino. You get the legacy of you get the legacy, Mangino. Um, <laughs> Man, I will say I, nothing against Tommy Mangino, but there's been a lot of assistant coaches in my time covering Iowa State. There are two that stick out the most to me as just being like so 
I don't even know the right word. So like swimming in their job and not like in any way, probably having merit to like oh. be in that position. One of them is Tommy Mancino and the other one is Brandon Blaney. And both of them <laughs> came with, <laughs> with Mark Mancino. <laughs> both of them were his guys. And it's like, Tommy Mangino's like a quality control assistant for somebody now. I'm pretty sure it's Kentucky. He's like a quality control assistant. And I, last I knew, Brandon Blaney was like an assistant, assistant offensive line coach for like the Jaguars or something like that. Like the dude can't even get an, another job as an actual assistant coach. That, to me, that's like... He's that, in over his head, I think right. the expression Yeah, in over for. their head, yeah. And, and what's even crazier is that was... Tommy Mangino was the guy that was tasked with kicking off Alan Lazard's career at Iowa State. <laughs> <laughs> that just speaks more to Lazard's ability. Exactly. But that, I just remember thinking, like, it was kind of after that. But, it, I mean, at the time, you could kind of just see. It's like, man, uh, you don't know what you're doing, uh, do you? Yeah, I don't think this guy's too cut out for this Buddy, thing. Buddy, I don't know if you know what you're doing. And uh and and you just you kind of just had to hope. It's like, man, I really hope that this does not come back and – and bite in this situation. But just think if, if Allen had had someone competent for like his first like two Brian years. Like Brian Gasser. Yeah. Yes, exactly. If he'd had Brian Gasser for four years, I'd, Allen would have put every receiving record so far out of reach. It would, I mean, they're all, he broke them all anyway, but it's like he did that in spite of the fact that he had someone who did not know <laughs> what they were doing Tommy for the Mangino. first two years of his career. And a, a popcorn of quarterbacks that didn't really. Yeah be good quarterbacks well and even chris like even clinakis dude like he at least had at some point in his career had proven to be a competent coach you know and then even again lost it along the way yeah or something yeah (laughs) and then again like he got another job after that so it's like in some circles he was respected in some way you know because you don't keep getting jobs if you aren't respected on some level. Neither one of those guys can get an actual coaching job. That that's what to me is like that's what blows me away. Was, to, to the take, fat lady is singing on David Beatty at Kansas though. I, I, we do know I mean, that. To to take back the uh to like to what the state of affairs of the University of Kansas are. So my <laughs> one little irony, there's a bunch a couple little ironies, but like a little irony about <laughs> Memorial Stadium in Kansas. Uh, it's crazy. It, to, it, I, I always forget that Gail Sayers played there. Right? Um, anyway, yeah, Gail Sayers played at Kansas. Uh, but it's on Iowa Street. What's the abbreviation for street? ST. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's on Iowa State. Like, Iowa State owns the stadium. I thought that's just funny. Uh, but anyway, so we park on Iowa Street, and we walk up, uh, and it's a horseshoe. And so it's kind of like the, the point of the U on the horseshoe. Um, it was where the ticket office is. And we didn't have tickets when we were going to go down there because I didn't know whether it was just going to be me and him or, like, maybe my grandma would come or my dad might be able to come down. And so we walk up, and we're, gonna, we're standing in line, the one-person long line to get tickets. And uh, all of a sudden, some guy in, like, Kansas, you know, he's got, like, a coat on. He's got a Kansas T-shirt. And he goes, you guys want some free tickets? And I'm like... In, instantly I'm taken aback like this is not real like you're gonna give me some type of scam but literally like four feet to the left was the gate to get in and so I was like ah sure what the hell and so like I took one knowing that like if it didn't work like you went to scan it and it didn't actually get in then you I could just, just buy a ticket just buy a right ticket there. right yeah, there and go yeah. back in and so um this guy's like 
yeah, you want a free ticket? So my, my, look at my grandpa and like we look at each other and we have the same kind of gut reaction of like bullshit, like this isn't real. And he goes, no, we're from the Alumni Association. The university gave us tickets and nobody wanted them. <laughs> so this guy is standing outside the ticket office giving away free tickets because they can't give away free tickets to their alumni for the game. So he, but anyway, so and then my uh, grandpa is, you know, being the, Proud grandpa, he played for Iowa State and blah, blah, blah. And so this guy started talking. And every fan that we interacted with was super nice. But anyway, the tickets were in this U again, in this horseshoe again. It's all the way in the peak of the right side of the horseshoe. It's like in, even with the end zone um, on the Kansas sideline. And I knew, it's like, like for those that have never been there, it's like going to Drake Stadium, but just a little bigger. Like you just double the amount of seats by just taking the, the bowl up yeah. a little bit. And it's almost exactly Drake Stadium. And uh, so... We get in there and we're like, well, these suck. And I go, you want to go find better seats? He's like, sure, you're the boss. And so the, on the way in, the, the you know, security person, whatever, the Permar guy, like looks at our seats and it's like, oh, it's up to the right. And so I didn't want to like walk down through there and um, have like run the risk of another, like a, you know, hard ass security guy going, oh, you, you can't get in here. And I'm like, dude, look around. Like there's, <laughs> there's empty seats everywhere. I can sit wherever I want. And so we walk all the way around the horseshoe while they're going, walk past the, where the band is going to be set up. They had actually mic'd up the band. Like there was a microphone stand with like ambient sound mics in front of the band. And they put a speaker on the floor or on the, on the turf to project the sound because they didn't get enough sound from the band, from the crowd. They did. They had to amplify the noise of the band. So anyway, we walk all the way around and we sit down on the 45 yard line about halfway up on the Iowa State section and we're sitting with like nothing but Iowa State people. It felt like a a high school football game because there is a Kansas side and an Iowa State side and everybody just by the end of the game just like mushed over to that side like the Iowa State fans walked to our side, Kansas fans walked over the other way and so you end up literally with just this high school game of I can sit where I want and you can sit where you want. But in there, the Kansas fans that we were sitting next to um, they would, like the most self-deprecating hilariousness is this, and there's four probably college-aged kids, like probably actual KU students that were sitting right in front of us, and they'd get a first down, and this guy would stand up like and just fake celebrate like they just won the Orange Bowl. Whoa, we got a first down! That's a first down, baby! And he'd celebrate for like 30 seconds, and then they fumbled like two seconds later. He's like, oh, man! <laughs> So, oh, it was, it's such, I, I, I said, that's my first time going to a game that I was attending, not playing in at Kansas. It's such a worse atmosphere from the stands than it is even on the field. Yeah. Like the loudest that stadium got was a Cyclone power chant. You could hear everything. You could hear every single cadence that the quarterbacks were saying. You could hear most of the checks that the, the offensive line were making. You could hear everything. Oh my God. It was just the most absurd experience because like we got free tickets, went in on one side of the stadium, walked all the way around and nobody stopped us. Nobody, even, nobody even asked. It was just, just walking in to the stadium. You expect there to be traffic or anything like that. Like getting I to pa- the, I parked it, a half a block away from say, the stadium. I, there were people out there like trying to get people to park in their yards for, for like 20 bucks for $10 and it they, <laughs> No cars. And you're just like, it's like, man, these guys are missing out like on a serious entrepreneurial opportunity. Yeah, I tried. I tried. Uh, yeah. But there's just no one there. You walk around and you're like, man, 
This is uh there is isn't a soul this here. Is, this is sad. Yeah. I feel I feel bad for these folks. Did you hear uh I think it was Joe Deneen actually said it yeah. in like the post game quote. He was like, It was a home game for Iowa State. Hey, I'm gonna say this, quite honestly, it's bullshit. And I'm like, all right, man, you do you with your non-university approved answers to those yeah. questions. Yeah, I mean, he was probably like, our coach is about to get fired. I don't really care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do to me? I'm the only, one of the only six good players on this team. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think at this point, like I said, there's only one thing to do. Actually, two options. You can go down two roads. One, we run it back. We bring him back. We apologize. And we say, you know <laughs> you, what, Mark? You dust off that 4XL letter jacket. You were right, Mark. You, we should have done it your way. Or you run the triple option. You go in between. We continue this cycle again. <laughs> and it just keeps going around in circles. They're so bad. Like, there's so many just fundamental things that they don't do well. I don't think that that crowd would have even filled Fog Allen. I doubt it. Well, maybe with the Iowa State fans. No, with the Iowa State fans, it would have been right around the capacity of Fog Allen. Because what's Fog Allen, 16, 17? Yeah, probably. I bet there was 18 there. No, I know what the official attendance was. What was, was the official attendance? It was like 15,564. No. Yeah. No Yeah. Way. They didn't even try and fudge the numbers. That's what was kind of funny about <laughs> it to me. Because <laughs> I looked at the – I was expecting it to say, you know. 22. Or yeah, whatever. it's like, like 25. With, with and I, would, I was going to look at it and be like, absolutely not. <laughs> and – I looked at it and I was like, it said 15,564. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's probably about right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. 15,000 people in a 45,000 capacity. We density, we talk, density, proximity, and size. And God, that wasn't anywhere close. Man, what a, what an experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be so different. Because this Saturday, it's it's a 2.30 kick, which is the best kick. Iowa State's, like, playing for something now. Like, they are the games in November matter a lot. So they're playing for something. This, crowd, this fan base is jazzed, and you got Baylor coming in. And Iowa State, I mean, there's blood in the water right now with the back half of their schedule. <laughs> it's going to be such a, di- like, a stark dichotomy from what last Saturday was to this Saturday. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that more after a break. We probably won't spend 30 more minutes making fun of Kansas, but I guess I can't <laughs> I guarantee that. I don't know if we're making that. fun of them. It was just like explaining, like the, sh- the just the shittiness of it, like just explaining where Kansas is. It was sad, dude. I mean, like I will be completely honest. It was it was sad to see what in theory should be a major college football program to see it look like that. Where you're like, man. That that school has won a major bowl game more recently than a lot of Power Five football programs, mm-hmm. and that's what it looks like right now. It's sad. It's like it's unbelievable. You almost can't really even believe that it's real unless you go and see it for yourself, and then you're like, "Wow, TV does not do how bad this is. It doesn't do it justice. Like it doesn't truly show." how terrible everything is here. It's like if you look at like an old dirty house on like Zillow or something like that, and you're just like scrolling through. It's like, oh, this one's like, you don't put the, you don't put the bottom fil- filter on when you're looking at that. And you see that's like old rundown house. And you're like, oh, this is like a piece of shit. Well, or it's even, <clears throat> even if not, not that bad, but it's like a one step above that where you're looking at it and you're like, man, this isn't that bad. 
you know, like it's it, not good. It, it, it's not great. You know, it would need a little work, like that kind of thing. And then you walk in there, and, and it smells you, like a dead cat. Right, and then you everywhere. walk in. You walk in, and it's like there's holes in the floor and that kind of stuff. Or it's like you feel like you're gonna fall through the floor everywhere that you take a step, and then you're like. No, okay, yeah, it's definitely that bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is worse than I yeah, thought. Yeah, this is worse than I expected. That's what Kansas football is. <laughs> Kansas football is a roach-infested house that doesn't look that bad from the outside. But it's that bad. But it's that bad. We'll be right back on Football and Random Things presented by Iowa Diamond. Hey, guys, it's Chris Williams. We're in the heart of football season now, and I got to tell you, I feel a lot better than I did a year ago, and I owe a lot of that to Dr. Kruger at the Ames Eye Clinic. Also, uh, their Des Moines location is, they're called Des Moines Eye Care in Des Moines. Same guys, really great eye doctors. I never thought that I had eye problems. I don't really have problems seeing or anything like that, but I was suffering from chronic headaches. I mean, it was nonstop. I always had a headache, and I think a lot of it was because I stared at a screen all day. Dr. Kruger took a look at my eyes, took him about a half hour, and he knew exactly what was wrong. Prescribed me some glasses that now I use while I'm on my computer, while I'm working for you guys at Cyclone Fanatic all day. And man, has it made a difference. I'm even sleeping better. I challenge you, if you have a problem like this, any sort of eye problem, to contact our friends at Des Moines Eye Care and the Ames Eye Clinic. You can check out Des Moines Eye Care dot com or AmesEyeClinic.com. I would encourage you to do this and tell them that we sent you. Tell them thank you for supporting what we're doing here at Cyclone Fanatic. Welcome back to Football and Random Things. Are you serious? Jeff Woody is eating dick. (laughs) Is eating Jimmy John's now in the middle of the in the middle of the podcast. And yes, I had a tuna sandwich before this. Well, you already explained your philosophy of eating Jimmy John's. Did I explain the, it just to you or did I explain it to everybody? No, it was on the podcast. Oh, okay. There were actually people that were tweeting at me saying that that was a like, genius right? way of going about it. Yeah. I don't need chips. Give me a slim number three. Tuna sandwich. And a regular sandwich. <laughs> I spread them out. And granted, my last meal was at 4.30 this morning. So... Judge me for eating two sandwiches. I'm not judging you. It's, I just... It is... 2.46, as we talk right now, my last meal was at 4.30. You already told me what the value of my time is to you last week, so clearly, I, I, do you want me just to sit here and wait for you to eat the sandwich? No, I, I'm going to give, a, not, if it was you, I would eat the sandwich, but it's for the listeners that I'm going to hold off on this number, that's, well, that's what on I'm this saying. number 12. It's like, I'm, I could, usually we just run right through this go one you know one segment after another and then you uh, you open up your sandwich and start taking a bite as if i'm going to sit here and wait for you to well, eat just, your sandwich to and just, just stop in the middle of the even podcast just chew for a second like i took a bite and you said welcome back nope. i have one bite out of this sandwich you didn't have the, the decency to let me get the food out of my mouth before we start talking about something else i no i don't Number 18 is good at football. He is, yeah. Uh, number 18, Hakeem Butler, is this week's Ames Eye Clinic eye-catching player of the game. <gasps> Shockingly, right? No. <gasps> he gets. He got something like 80% of the vote. I didn't really even. Well, after that, like, did you not just sense, like, someone, like, I would say just put it in cruise control and threw their feet on the dash? Yeah. Like, for the rest of the game. I mean, the defense obviously played pretty well for the remainder of the game, except... That, the one bad play that still sticks out to me, and I texted Chris this, and I don't think I texted it to you, but DeMonte Ruth 
The dude blows coverages like it's his job. Man, it's... I actually meant to bring this up earlier. Have you seen the TV a copy of that play? No. When the kid dropped the ball, I, I, I know what play you're talking about, the, the yeah. long pass. Uh-huh. Yeah. When the kid dropped the ball, there's like an angle from... So he was on the, this sideline. It was from the opposite sideline. Like looking side towards him. Yeah. yeah. And the, cheer, the Kansas cheerleaders were right behind him. Uh, and they show that angle and it's him like dropping the ball and then he kind of fell down. He was like holding his head in, in his anguish. hands. Yeah, in anguish. Like, man, I just dropped a wide open touchdown. The cheerleaders were all laughing at him right there. <laughs> oh, 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 that's bad. Yeah, it was, it literally, I think they show three of them and all three of them have huge smiles on their faces just like laughing their asses <laughs> off. And it was like, that play that. was like the perfect... That is, it was like the perf- perfect personification of what Kansas football is. Exactly what we've been talking about. How wide open he was. It's like... Well, and it was, it was a blown play. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if it was Braxton Lewis or uh, DeMonte Ruth. I'm going to go with DeMonte Ruth based say, on track all, record. All we know is that when those kinds of things happen... Number six usually, is on the field. Yeah, usually number six is somewhere in the area. And it, So that was the, really the only thing that like, annoyed me a little bit. Of like, like, not necessarily bad, but like not great. Um... But still, like the, the second half, or the, basically from the last three and a half quarters, there was just nothing that was like, it was nothing that was different. I mean, it was nothing mm-hmm. that was crazy. Like, it was the most vanilla possible, the most vanilla, like, the most vanilla possible thing that, that Iowa State could do is like they kept everything in the tank. They didn't blitz much. I don't think, I don't know if they blitzed more than one or two. I, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think they brought more than four for the remaining three and a half quarters at any point. I mean, why would they? They They wouldn't need to. Yeah, there was no point. That was like, it got to a certain point where they're just like, yeah, we're just kind of, kind of just like, I think we're just kind of ready to go home, you know? Like, yeah. I don't really want to be here anymore. Um, I I was just remembering in in that group chat I have with Spears, uh, Arnaud, and A-Rob. Yeah. There was the most Kansas possible sequence that they had, which actually didn't involve that touchdown pass. But they went three and out. They had a great punt that went to the five-yard line. It's beautiful. It's like 60 yards. They give them a 90-yard touchdown pass. They return the kick to like the 20, mm-hmm. so short of a touchback. False start before there was any play. Rush the ball for zero yards. The quarterback goes back to throw and just drops it. And then they get an illegal substitution play and then run a screen on third and 21 against an eight-man drop rush three look for like a two-yard loss, and then punt again. Yep. Can I give you a stat? Sure. Did you have to ask before then? In the last 12 quarters of football, Iowa State's defense has allowed three touchdowns. That's good. In, against In 12 two, quarters. Against two really good Offenses. One offense that put up 40 on <laughs> Oklahoma this weekend. Mm-hmm. And another offense that put up 42 on Texas Texas this weekend. Mm-hmm. And then Kansas. Yeah, and then Kansas. And then Kansas. <laughs> they're, they're tailbacks. Even if I was to extend it out to like the last 16 quarters or 14 quarters or something, it would still only be like six touchdowns. Well, it was Oklahoma State before that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It would still only be like six touchdowns in the last 14 quarters. With Oklahoma State involved, with a half the second half of yeah. that game, they're good. 
They're real good. They're good. Yeah. Uh, it does make me a little nervous. Um, not, I mean, not excessively, but like, I, I don't know. I'm assuming it was a uh, 25 young. Daytron. Daytron. Um, I'm assuming a broken collarbone uh, based on how he landed. and He was apparently out there at their workout yesterday. Really? According to what Matt Campbell said this morning. All right. Well. Said he, he said he's questionable for Saturday's game. That would, uh, that would make me nervous because that forces you, again, I don't trust number six. And, and there's something like. You got to play, play the true freshman at this point. You have to. You got to play Anthony Johnson out there. And, and maybe me. use six as a spell every once in a while. But it, it makes me nervous because teams recognize that. And yeah. so they're throwing at him. And you can't hide that wart all the time. So it's uh, like what Purdue did to Riley Moss on Saturday. Yeah. They threw at him over and over and over again. Yeah. Well, or like what teams do to, uh, uh, is it Motley? The, the kid for Oklahoma, number 11. Yeah. And they, Carnell Motley or something like that. Um, they're, they're just, they were like, all right, where is he? Oh, there he is. Hey, we're going to throw right at him. Oh, where's number six? All right. Hey, we're going to throw right at you. So it doesn't matter where the matchup is. It's a win for the offense. So if Daytron Young is not, it's not, and it, I don't even know if it's like, I don't think DeMonte Ruth is like a bad football player. It's just like, I don't he, think he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I think that's kind of part of the problem. And I don't like to, I don't like to shit on people, you know, like blatantly like that, that often, but there's, it, it has gotten to the point now where when they have a big, the offense, the opposing offense has a big play more often than not you can assume that he's in the vicinity. Yeah. Well, you know? one of, I mean, how many of those touchdowns have they given up? Like there was one jump ball against Texas tech. And that was him. That was him. Uh, I think there was a David Sills one wasn't on him. No, that was on, that was on Daytron. But that, and he played that really, that was just a really good play. Yeah. That was just a beautiful throw. I mean, and a great just, catch. It was just Will Greer and David Sills, like doing Will Greer and David Sills stuff. Right. Um, but no, that would be the only thing that like made me nervous out of that. But, um, and I wouldn't take really much of the other thing that was more annoying than anything. And I think it was be, just because they had gone on cruise control is when they got first and goal from the two and then went zero yards incompletion, false start. And then, or no, it was zero yard gain incompletion, false start. And then on third down, they threw it and it didn't work or whatever. Um, that was that kind of annoyed me because your first and goal from the two, and this was where I think it was twenty to nothing, or no, it was twenty seven. Was it twenty seven to three? I, I don't remember yeah, I mean, what point Kansas, that was. But I would say it was up twenty to three at halftime. It was within the margin where like it was foreseeable that like if Kansas made a couple big plays, they could get back in the game, and yeah. that would have really just like stomped the head of the snake. Like it's done if you were to put that in, and they didn't have that like at the time that straight up killer instinct. And Campbell was furious on the sidelines as he justifiably should have been. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was, it was just workmanlike. Like it was the game itself was other than Butler being a freak. Nothing really stood out about that game, which is good. Like boring and rich is better than I mean, exciting and poor. So like, they did nothing that stood out excessively. They had a, the yardage was pretty much even with Kansas. Turnovers were Iowa State wins. Uh, they converted their big plays into scores. And it, there, there was just nothing spectacular about the game in the best possible way. Again, other save for Hakeem's two yeah. ridiculous touchdowns. Yeah, and I mean, the, like the biggest highlight of the game was just the fact that Iowa State basically took over the stadium. And like, that was it, you know, 
It's like you left the game and you're like, huh? Got happened. We won. Yeah. You know, Things we, went according to plan. We won. Now uh, let's let's get ready for the next one. Here yeah. we go. I also have to give a a shout out to to listener Eric. He came up and talked to us and uh, mentioned that he liked the fart. That's good. And someone asked me if once basketball, he, somebody tweeted at me and said, uh, once basketball starts, he wanted to know if it, if it will be the barf basketball and random follies. Ooh, <laughs> go from fart to barf. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I have enough chops to talk about basketball. So yeah, we, I, don't, I think if we're going to talk about basketball, it will be like, that will just basically that'll be, be one the, of random the random things. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. it yeah. will yeah. be the random things in there. Cause the super bowls, I mean the football super bowls in, in February. Yeah, well, so we'll be able to talk. Maybe we can talk some recruiting and that kind of stuff. Somebody, see, somebody wants us to. Uh, someone was like, "Can you guys do a breakdown of all the commits that Iowa State has?" I was like, "I don't think Jeff pays any attention to recruiting." I don't. So I, I, that would be me texting him and blatantly saying, "Like, yo, can you <laughs> can you watch these guys?" And I, and I was like, "I don't think that even if I asked him to, he'd probably walk in that day and be like, yo, I haven't paid. In, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't look any of them up. Let me let me run wash a couple That's, couple players from each guy real quick.' That I I probably would." the night before so like Sunday night would sit down and watch maybe five to six of like the highlight tapes and highlight tapes are the worst possible way you can get a gauge on a recruit like it's just like oh look at the great things you can put any kid in high school and put three minutes of a highlight tape anybody that's worth that's even okay like an all-conference player you can put a great highlight tape together like that looks you can frame it well enough that like oh look at this offensive tackle. He got this pancake and this pancake. And against it's against like a 137 pound kid from Hoover. And you're like, <laughs> all right, well, uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, looks fine. Defensive end he's a big, tall kid. I don't know. He looks okay. <laughs> yeah, but he's a four star. I was like, cool. <laughs> so was Bo Williams. So was JJ Bass. Yeah. Just big time, big time recruits. I don't, I don't really do recruiting. I mean, it's, you, you can very easily see how recruiting impacts a program, but it's way more retroactive or retrospective, excuse me, than it is like at the time. Cause like you can think like, Oh, look how good this recruiting class is. And then they suck. But like for the first like three years and then they're good. Like, like that, they finally all mature. See, what's crazy is there actually is a correlation when you look at results and stuff like that, there actually is a correlation between wins or not necessarily wins, but the results that happen on the field, who's winning national championships and the recruiting rankings more often than not. But I do get what you're saying. I think unless you're competing to win the national championship every year, like Alabama and Ohio state Mm -hmm. and those schools, they recruit at such a high level that it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's why they compete to win the national championship every year. But at Iowa state and Kansas state and like schools in the back half of the top 25 in like, that kind of stuff, as much as anything, it's just like, okay, you've got maybe one or two guys who are high-level recruits, and then everybody else are developmental players, and it's like, this is going to play out over several in, years. In you know years. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. It's not like where at Alabama, half the guys that they recruit could probably play at any other school in the country right away as a true freshman. Yeah. You know? You know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's, no, I get it. it and we, man, we really dove off on the recruiting tangent. It's yeah. November. Does Iowa State get a good recruiting class coming in so far? Yeah, the last I knew they were, I think they're like 31st on 247. It'll probably be the best class in school history. Which is replacing last year. Yeah. Which is replacing the year before. Yeah. 
I think it's a consistent theme. I saw like a retrospective. Uh, it was from like the 2016 class. I think that's the one David was in. It was, it was like re-ranking mm-hmm. the class. And he was like 25th. He was like, yeah, and he was like the 1,000th, 200th something <laughs> recruit, you know, like coming out of high school. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, that didn't work out. Yeah, you guys, you guys really nailed that one. Yeah. Well, Noah Fant was like the same way. They're both in that same range where they're, you know, at the back half of like the top 30. Yeah. And, and, and like both of them were like in the thousands being uh, coming out of high school. So it just goes to show like recruiting rankings don't mean shit. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't mean anything. Oh, what, what is I guess what else is there to talk about about the Kansas game? I mean, they're, they're, the, the consistency, again, of the defense is just terrific boringness. Mm-hmm. So nothing happens. Nothing, exce- nothing exceptional happens. Like the exceptional thing is that Jamal Johnson got to try and carry a football for a while. Yeah. That, was, that was kind of fun. It's always fun watching I was fat hoping guys. We were, I was going to say, I was hoping we would get a fat guy touchdown. Yeah. That would have, that's the only thing that could have made the game any better. Is a fat guy touchdown? Yeah. And I'm waiting for the time when they line up in that jumbo formation and, and they give the Camillo. ball to Camillo. Yeah. Oh. It, it, you know, could you imagine? Because, like, you know, there is zero technique that he's using. It's oh, just, no. It's just, he's just like, you're being six, big. four, two, or three, oh, five, or whatever. Just run as hard as you can and just hit somebody. Yeah. Just doesn't even matter. Just hit somebody. Well, in that tech game, the block that he he took out like three people. He's <laughs> huge. Yeah. It's just like a snowplow. Like it's not really well, there's no technique that, to it. Did you see that Clemson's defensive lineman had more touchdowns than Louisville did? <laughs> Which makes me happy because uh, he was on Louisville staff. I don't even know if he is anymore. Though. I think he got demoted. I think he's like a quality control coach. I would say, well, yeah, uh, we so. talked about this last week too. Uh, no longer the old line coach. Yeah. Cheers. Um, but yeah, they had 10 different guys score touchdowns in one game. That was such, that was a thorough tip to toe ass kicking. Yeah. It was like 77 to 13 or something was the final score. I can't remember what it was, but they 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 were going into the game where the defensive linemen were out there doing receiver drills, like in warmups, <laughs> like Dexter Lawrence is in the corner of the end zone, like catching over the shoulder passes and stuff like that. It's like, he's out there warming up with the intention of like, I'm going to catch a touchdown pass in this game. <laughs> and they're basically flipping the bird. Cause if your defensive linemen are doing that, you know, there's some kind of package cause that's not planned oh, or no. that's not unplanned. Like there, there's a reason that your defensive linemen are do- out there catching passes. Well, and just imagine being on the other team and you're like, you look down and you're like, Dude, that's Dexter Lawrence. Come on, man. Right. Really? It's like, they're like, we are going to beat this team so bad. We don't even need to hide the fact that our <laughs> defensive linemen are going to play offense today. We're just going to test some stuff out, see how it goes. Try and, you know, kick the, kick the dust off of this. It was good to see Kyle Kemp play. It was good to see Kyle Kemp play. I think that was a nice rousing ovation that most of the, that the Iowa State home fans gave for Kemp. Who will get the, who will get the loudest ovation on senior day? Ooh, uh, it, it would. Ha- I would think Brian Peavy. Yeah, it'll be Peavy or Kemp, I would think. Willie Harvey is a dark horse for a guy that should. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really not a He's ton of up there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on offense, there's really just Matt Eaton. Yeah. I mean, of, of guys that are logging. And Payne. Say, DeAndre Buckner. Payne. Seen Buckner. Yeah, Seen Buckner. But yeah. of, of guys that, yeah, like that you'd know. I mean, that like the, the you, the average fan, would know would be... Brian Peavy or Kyle Kemp. 
don't know. I've, I, I won- It'll be Kempt. I, I wonder if Kempt is going to stay around as like a, a like what, um, what's his name? Kenny Hill did with TCU, where like you just stick around like as a grad, as assistant. A grad assistant, like right away. Man, I wouldn't think that Kempt would be able to be a grad assistant. He's probably got like six degrees by now. <laughs> He's, if he's working on his doctorate, yeah. that's what he's really looking. That's what he's going up for. Well, it was funny last week. Someone asked because that should have been a been a topic of conversation. Uh, Campbell brought that up on, I think it was the coach's show one day, and then he was asked about it again. He basically said that, you know, if Kyle wants to stay, we'll let him. And then somebody asked Brian Gasser. He's like, "Do you think Kemp would be a?" Should be a coach, basically. And he was like, he's like, man, I hope not. <laughs> he's like, that kid is too, he's like, that kid's too smart to, to, to do this to himself. Yeah. He's like, he's like, I know if he did, he'd be great at it. He's like, I would hire him. He's like, but man, <laughs> he's like, I hope he can find something else to do with this life besides be a coach. Because you, I don't think people realize like how tough, because they see like Campbell and like just a bunch of young dudes, but they don't realize how like how much of an aberration that is. That like most of the time you're not getting paid until you're like 46. Like that you're actually getting paid the money that you think you're going to get paid when you get into coaching. Like you're going to make $51,000 a year and work legit 78 hour weeks for 49 weeks out of the year. And your three weeks of vacation are all back to back to back. And they just go hog wild for three weeks. And then right back to the grind of 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. every single day. And then eventually you earn your stripes enough that you can be Nick Saban. And they're done. Like, their coaches are done at, like, 6.30. Like, they don't do their, like, extra stuff. And from, from my understanding, like, Saban will have people out of the door by 6.30. But that's, that ship is running automatically at this point. So Saban's, what, like, 64? Probably, like He's yeah. obviously been really good since, like, you know, for 20 years, 25 years, but since he was at Michigan State, but Michigan State was like in the 90s when he was like, again, if he's 64 right now, 20 years back, that would have been 1998. That's probably, his, he got to LSU in what, 2000, 2001? Yeah, I mean, he was at Toledo as a head coach like in the late 80s. Yeah, and so he would have been, you know, a, a head coach in a Mac school. Yeah. Working, still, again, making good money. But well, even think about Urban. Like, he was a head coach at a Mac school in the late 90s. You know, and then goes to Utah and then goes to Florida. And it's just like still took him 20 years to get to the point where he's at at Ohio State and running the ship. Yeah, things aren't running very smoothly, I guess, with their ship right now. But the, I hope the ship, they, is, the, ship, the ship is running. I hope that that ship straightens out and he stays at that ship because that keeps our ship and our ship. <laughs> you get your stuff together, Urban Meyer. Said the word ship a lot here in the last few minutes. Uh yeah, no, I, I think this is all, like, as, as much as Iowa State can, like, send good juju to Ohio State, like, root for Ohio State to succeed as best you can. So, I can't root for the Fighting Harbaugh's in three weeks. No. No. Because, like, I think I've said this before, and I don't, I, again, this is not insider information. This is strictly from outside perception. But, you know, when the whatever job opens up, and they're like, oh, Campbell's going to go take that job. Campbell's going to leave. Did you see that uh, somebody a, somebody at a Maryland newspaper uh, wrote that they should contact Matt Campbell? <laughs> he would leave Iowa State for Maryland. Yes. <laughs> the, I, the Browns thing, like, it, I, I think he, I don't know if he would take it. Like, he's, uh, 
a huge Browns fan, like the whole staff are like giant Browns fans. They're all from Ohio. Like if they would get, if, if they would work their way down to the list, I would assume that he would take that job. You can't pass up the capacity for your dream job, right? Would you? Man, I just, I feel like. But my, in my opinion, there's going to be so many people above him on that list. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that it's not going to make it down there. But like theoretically, let's say nine people turn down the Browns and they get to Campbell on their list. And they like, that would. See, and this, this is kind of a, I think just like it would come down to a personal preference type thing. To be completely honest, for me, I would not want to do something like that because it's like for him, he he didn't grow up in liking a college football team. You know, mm-hmm. it's like his favorite team is the Cleveland Browns. It's like, yeah, they offer you the job to be the head coach. I think that just getting offered that opportunity as much as anything, it would be like, it'd be like, man, that's awesome. But at the same time, I don't want to ruin the fact that I love the Browns. Because yeah. what happens if you go there and you get fired and then you're like, damn, now the only team that I've ever loved for my entire life, I just got fired by them. Yeah. Well, I also think there's, uh, again, playing just, I There's know. like some, some degrees of separation at the same time that are kind of nice. It's like I've had people ask me before, like if I would go cover Nebraska, if I could, and I wouldn't want to because that's like the only thing that I have now. I've become so jaded doing this. Like, I, sh- I can't, like, just be a normal fan anymore. But, like, that's the one thing that's, like, on a Saturday, I can sit down and drink a beer and watch Nebraska and just, like, chill. And be you a know? fan. And be a fan. But, like, with anything else, when I watch the Big 12, when I watch Iowa State, like, I can't just do that, you know? I yeah. can't just be a fan. Well, and it, I, I, I'm just I, – I don't think it's going to happen. Like, no, I don't I'm, think it'll happen either. I'm not going to say – you know, knock on wood, but like, I'm not going to be going out there and saying like it, it would happen or not, but like that, uh, I mean, we jumped on this Ohio state tangent. Um, but I think I've said, this goes to show how little we have to talk about today. Cause it's Kansas. It was so boring. Yeah. It was a good boring. I mean, it's just workman like take care of business, but like, I think the only, you know, the job or jobs that would be more enticing than currently than Iowa state, because you have, I mean, granted they're, they're working their butts off to build the program where they need to. Um, and I think this program can sustain like the way that they're building it is sustainable with this coaching staff if they were to hang around. And so um, like somebody, you know, people keep texting. Like, we'll, we'll text like, oh, if Iowa State wins Big 12, Campbell's gone. I'm like, why? Like, even he, if he, even if we leaves, if he leaves, we can just go to our um, back to our minor league program, the feeder system team. Toledo. Toledo. Yeah. Go uh, just bring him in. Bring Candle. And yeah, Jason Candle. And then you get. It's just Matt Campbell light. Yeah. Dude, another thing to me is like, okay, so if he wanted to go to the Browns, all the rest of his coaches, like all the coaches on his staff are like college coaches. I can't imagine that the Browns would be like, oh yeah, bring all these dudes with you. Yeah. And that was like a big piece of him coming to Iowa State was that they were going to let him bring his entire staff. Well, And this is another thing that as to kind of, to finish the point that I was saying, like one of the few jobs, I think there's maybe like one or two, like Ohio State like Notre Dame, maybe like a Michigan, like if those jobs were to come open would be the only ones that I would be like, yeah, I, I think he's gone. Like yeah. if those jobs open up and it gets offered to him, then see, and before the year, like Notre Dame was foreseeable because just the way things had gone with Brian Kelly in the last several years. Now I would say that the chances of Brian Kelly not being there in the near future are very, very slim because they're probably going to go to college football playoff. Urban Meyer, regardless of all this stuff that keeps happening, 
I find it very unlikely that he, he would is leave not, before he would get fired. Exactly. I find it unlikely that they would fire him. Yeah. And then Harbaugh, we know he's not going anywhere. Well, if he either. was going to get, if Herb was going to get fired, he, he would have already get, get, got he fired. gotten fired before the season started with the whole abuse thing. Well, and I think too that they, I think that they will hire Ryan Day whenever that, who was the guy who was his interim coach in the time that he was gone. So, like, he's basically already their coach in waiting now. Yeah. So, this, again, this is all hypotheticals, but like, yeah. talking about Iowa State from a sustainability standpoint, uh, somebody said, like, you know, if they win the Big 12, like, Campbell's gone. Like, to where? Like, when, and this is just, again, to, to bolster the conspiracy theory fan, or like the, not necessarily the conspiracy theory fan, but like the, the chicken little fan of, oh, he's going to go take the Arkansas job. Like, no, he's not. Because, in basically given carte blanche when he was renegotiating his contract before last season is before last year or before the year before it was it was, last it was year. just after last season yeah so um he's basically given carte blanche because jamie knows the value of matt campbell and so it's essentially i mean granted jamie wasn't going to go into it like this like take whatever you want but like pretty much it was going to be what do you want because he we want you we need you to stay here and so what campbell negotiated was not a significant increase for himself. Like, Grant, I think he tacked like another like $0.8 million, something like that, which again, it's not, it's 800. He's a top 25 paid coach in the country. Right, which is good. But he could have gotten more for himself if he was just looking for cash. Yeah. Dude, I legit, if Matt Campbell told me, yeah, I don't even know how much money I make. Honestly, on some level, I think I would probably believe him. Yeah. I'd just be like, I'd be like, you know what? You don't seem like someone that really gives a shit whether or not you make $6.3 million or you're like making 4.5. Like at the end of the day, if you're making $4.5 million in Ames, Iowa, that's a bunch. Probably going to be okay for a while. Well, and, I, and again, like to this, this whole comp blotch negotiation is the things that he negotiated for where I think he got like one or 1.2 to spread out among his coaches. Like he yeah. wanted his guys to get paid so they stay. So like, it's time to give Jan, I think John Haycock could use a little, a little bit John more Haycock as well. deserves a little bit more. Yeah. But like he negotiated for his guys to get a raise. And again, so he got, again, Jamie, Jamie, here's what, take what you want. And yeah. so he got a, a raise for his staff and he got a facility or plans for a facility to be built, which is going to rival the best in the country, which is going to connect the current indoor football facility and the Olsen building. And they're going to tear out the Jacob, or excuse me, the, the to, the Jacobson building and the tear out the Olsen building. And so it's going to be... Do you think they'll put a slide in, like the one at Clemson? I doubt it. It doesn't seem like a slide guy. <laughs> um, but it's, I wouldn't have thought Dabo was either. Really? Dabo. Really? Dabo. You don't think Dabo's a slide guy? Uh, that's Dabo's fair. totally a slide guy. Man, if they had a slide, I would just... just every time we go for the press conference, <laughs> I would just sneak over to like go down the slide Whee! one time. Yeah. Jared, that's enough. They have a picture by the slide that says, no, Jared, you can't go here. (laughs) But like he got this, you get carte blanche and he got a small raise for himself, a big raise for his guys and a facility to be built. That's here. Like if you wanted, if if he was just money chasing, like clearly he would just negotiate higher for himself. But that's not a thing that he's really interested in. And so I, I, again, I'm, I'm knocking on wood a little bit here, but it, for, if you look at the whole picture of like analyzing the character of this guy, it's not such that he's going to chase for money. And so it's one of those things where like, if his heart tells him to do it, like again, I think if Ohio State were to open up and they were to, to offer him, he's from Northeast Ohio, like that is where his recruiting ground is the strongest. Like that would make the most sense to do it. But otherwise, I don't really, I wouldn't see any reason. Again, knock on wood, I wouldn't see any reason that he'd want to bail. 
Especially because, again, when the, to, I think I've said this like three or four times, you win the Big 12, and then it becomes a really hot commodity because, you know, whatever Florida wants them, you know, Florida State, because that, that's a ship. Um, so Florida State wants to hire Matt Campbell. Well, one, it's in Florida. He doesn't he has no recruiting ties in the Southeast. None. Well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, they've gotten a couple kids from Florida, but, but not on that level right, that you need Ohio. them to go and win that. It's Ohio, yeah. Indiana, Illinois. Like, that's where you're getting most of your guys from. Right. And uh, then why would you want to leave? I mean, what? look at your recru- you're returning. Like, you, you win a Big 12 title, and you return 10 starters from the offense and, like, eight from the defense – with your best players, again, presuming that Dave Montgomery doesn't leave, Hakeem Butler doesn't leave, Ray Lima doesn't leave, you're assuming that your, your three best players in the team all would come back. What situation are you going to walk into that's that good? Well, and the other thing is that if, if he did, all hypotheticals, if he did, that would make Iowa State a very enticing job. Right. Because at this point now, it has been shown that it's possible, you know, and that would make it a very enticing job for like the hot coaches out there right now. In my opinion, it's about like UCF, like after, after Scott Frost left and they had all those guys coming back and it's like, man, UCF's probably just going to keep on winning if they can get somebody competent to go in there and direct that shit. Right. And they went and got Josh Heupel and what have they kept on doing? Yeah. They just kept on winning. And it's like, it's one of those kinds of things, you know, where it's like, if we can get like a competent individual here, someone that knows what they're doing and like has a good vision and a good like blueprint to do this, Mm -hmm. probably going to be able to do it. And that's, I think where I'm not necessarily that Iowa state is there yet, but they're on their way. But they, I think that it is being shown that there is a blueprint to success at Iowa state that can be sustained. Like you said earlier, and it could be in some sense duplicated if he were to leave. Where'd that come from? Did, where, did where did we start with that? Where did that go? I don't remember where we where we jumped off to this one. I don't remember either. That's that's very much. This is very much an RT, less of an F in the uh, in the fart. Yeah, we'll talk about this weekend's Big Twelve games when we come back. You're listening to Football and Random Things presented by Iowa Diamond on the Cyclone Fnag Podcast Network. Hey guys, it's Williams here on the podcast on our radio shows. We talk a lot about point spreads, you know, all that stuff. To be honest, I'm not a big better, but I'm really just fascinated by that industry. And I want to recommend a service to you guys today if you're interested in that sort of thing. MyBookie.ag is the website. If you join right now and if you give them our promo code, they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. This is a really good deal. Our promo code is 2427. Again, that promo code is 2427. Two seven. They have live in-game, live betting. They're in the business for you fantasy guys out there. You can bet over-under on fantasy points for players. There's all sorts of really cool things. MyBookie.ag. Again, that promo code is 2427. You play, you win, you get paid. MyBookie.ag. Hello, Fanatics. This is Chris Williams. There are few financial commitments you will make in your life that are more important than where to get your mortgage from. That's why I want to tell you about my friend Jason Larson at Gershman Mortgage in Ankeny. Here's a real review from a client on Facebook. Jason was amazing to work with. He kept in contact with us where we were at throughout the whole process. When we went to sign, he had coffee and donuts for us that morning. 
He was super kind and helpful, and we said we would refer him to anyone looking to buy a home. Now, that's just one review. Jason Larson, Gershman Mortgage, and Ankeny is an equal housing lender. Their NMLS number is 138063. Give them a call at 515-554-6177. Please tell him that Chris Williams and Cyclone Fanatics sent you. Jeff, have you ever done Horns Down? I've not. Uh, You're a good professional. To. You're a good professional. I wanted to. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, I, I'm just strict, I'm strictly so professional. You know, I'm a professional fan that I don't do Horns Down. That's good. It's good because apparently David Sills is not, not a very professional football <gasps> player. E gads. What team does he play for? It can't be Dana Holgerson's team. It is Dana Holgerson's team. <gasps> Yo, I will, me. I will say, I will give David, Dana Holgerson respect for one thing. They went out there and tie the, have an opportunity to tie the game late in the game. Mm-hmm. Down 41, 40, 40 after scoring a touchdown. Yep. He said, screw that. We are better than you. We're going to score and win the game right now. Well, I actually do like the way that he phrased um, his post-game interview. As they were like, that's quite a risk that you took uh, going for two, you know, with the game on the line. And he goes, I mean, it's really not that much of a risk when number seven is the one that's got the ball. And all you have to do is get two yards. Really not that much of a risk. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like that, a lot of coaches out there, they're like, yeah, we're just going to kick this Take it point. Overtime. We're going to go to overtime and hope that we can, you know, get the job done. He was like, him, Will Greer, David Sills, they're like, nah, let's just go win the game. And they won the game. They did. And I'll give them respect for that. They, they, uh, they celebrated in a less than professional manner. Horns down. Glass, glass houses and stones. Glass Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> it's just like how every team, uh, man, we should, oh, I forgot to add, look up what uh, David Beatty said about I'm sure, I'm sure that they, defense. Just, they, they just didn't play well. That's what it was. It wasn't the defenses. We just didn't play well. Dude, I would love if he, if a coach went in like after that, like if, okay, so if David Beatty went in and he's like, they're like, what do you think of our stage defense? He's like, they just whooped our ass. They're really good. We're really bad. <laughs> That's really all there is to it. Like, obviously, he's like, did anybody here expect any different? <laughs> I didn't. I want him to do that so bad on like an exit interview and like have that like his last his last stance at the podium for Kansas football just to go off on how terrible the whole thing is. How great would it be if they beat Kansas State now? Oh, God. They haven't done that in years. No. I think that's this weekend, maybe. I'd have to look that up. Actually, no, I have some Big 12 notes right here. I think I could find it. That's how professional we are. We have our notes ready. Well, not ready because I'm thumbing through all the, like, mountain of books and stuff that I have in my bag. Uh, Kansas, Kansas State in Manhattan. This weekend? What do you think, what do you think the line is? What's the line? Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's in Manhattan. Uh, Kansas State by four. Kansas State by 12. Such a slap in the face to Kansas. What? Yeah. That's a slap in the face to Kansas. Kansas State just lost 14 to 13 My. to TCU this weekend after TCU lost to Kansas. Uh, my goodness. What, I don't know if you've looked this up. You know what the line is for Iowa State this weekend? 14. 14 and a half at home over Baylor. That is, that's got to be the highest favorite line that Iowa State's had against a non-Kansas team 
in 15 years. What was it against Tech? Uh, it was like seven, I think. It wasn't 14 and a half. No. My head hurts. There's no pad on this headset, so. Oh, you have hair. It's hurt. That's your pad. It's hurting my head. Uh-oh. 14 and a half. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the first time that Baylor's ever been to Ames, Iowa in November. That's, it's going to be 35 degrees on Saturday. Yeah. That's, uh, those guys are not going to love this weather. No. They are from the state of Texas. They do not like to come north. That probably contributes to the 14 and a half point spread. Yeah. Um, I still think that it's funny that the University of Texas has never played ever in Ames in November. They will next year. It'll be the first time in, I believe, the first time in history that Texas will play in Ames in November. Yeah, probably. I think you're probably right. Set the, set the scheduling odds. I mean, I don't know. I wonder, like, I, I depends on what Texas, Texas has coming back but for next year. And obviously, you have to, the whole season to play for next November. But that'd be cool to be favored against Texas. Yeah. I mean, right now, Chris wrote in Monday Musings today that uh, his formula that he does to project lines would have Texas by three in Austin. This like this year, yeah, in two weeks, yeah. Texas by three. That's basically like a DKR. It's a bump. Pick them, yeah, yeah. That's basically a pick. Neat. I legit think Iowa State's the second best team in the league. I think so too. I, I mean, clearly they they've they might they there might be a case that you could make for them to be the best team in the league right now. Well, the, here's a fun thing. I mean, I I think everybody's. I like to do this more in basketball season than, than football season because basketball games, there's so many of them yeah. that you can like, you can trend a lot differently. Um, and Iowa State's usually towards the top. So it's more like, yeah, you want to root for Kansas. And as much as it hurts you, them being first gives us this whatever. Or when you're trying to pick Kansas off and you're like, you have to root for West Virginia or whatever. Um, so the rest of the season, the simplest way, and this is Iowa State essentially controls their own destiny to get to the Big 12 championship game with one exception, is... West Virginia needs to lose to Oklahoma. And if West Virginia loses to Oklahoma... Or are they... I mean, anybody else that they have in the next three weeks or whatever it is. They just need to lose one game. Right. So they need to... Yeah, West Virginia can't win out. And if if West Virginia loses to OU, then that keeps OU off of the two line because OU would break a tie with Iowa State in the two line. So if West Virginia... Let's say West Virginia does lose... Then it, so the, the, the order of operations in the who gets the title game is obviously conference record is number one. And in the event of a tie in a conference record, say it's number, like there's two teams tied for second, it's then head-to-head. it's head to head. If there's three or three or more teams tied, then it's essentially a round robin within the teams that are tied and who's got a, a points lead on that one. Usually you're not going to make it past that unless team A beat B, B beat C and C beat A. Which is exactly what happened, would happen in this scenario. If West Virginia were to beat Oklahoma. beat Oklahoma, then that would put Oklahoma and West Virginia in the championship. the championship game. So if West Virginia loses to Oklahoma or to anybody else for the rest of the season, which if just West Virginia loses to OU and Iowa State needs to win out because then that would put Texas Tech, even if Texas Tech does, so they have three losses now in the conference, right? Yeah. So Tech has three losses in the conference now. West Virginia and Oklahoma each have one. one. And so Iowa State's got two. Correct. So if 
Iowa, or if West Virginia loses to OU, then that would put them in a tie with Iowa State as a two-loss team. Again, assuming Iowa State, they control their own destiny towards the Big 12 title game with this one big exception. Is like, so going forward, like every game from here on out, you want to root for Oklahoma because you don't want to put Oklahoma on the two line with us because Oklahoma beat Iowa State. And so in the head-to-head matchup or the round robin, that looks worse because it's the only team in that situation because like sort of a blessing, sort of a curse that you lose to TCU who's nowhere involved in this situation. So if you do have two losses, then one of your two losses is not going to be to somebody else that's stacked in this list with you. Mm-hmm. So your you're, oh, you want to, you root for Oklahoma. You want them to win every game from here on out because they beat Iowa State and then you don't want to be in a tiebreaker situation with them because they automatically get the points away from you. So oh, go OU, Boomer Sooner. You want West Virginia to lose. I actually listened to a podcast on that. Boomer Sooner, that's so such a messed up way. Like, that's such a screwed up way to get a name. We can get to that in a way different time. Anyway, um, but like, and you want West Virginia and Texas Tech to lose as much as you can. So you want the only situation in which I believe, the only situation in which Iowa State gets to the Big 12 title game, the only realistic situation is if OU wins out and Iowa State wins out. And then they get to the Big 12 title game because that puts them on a tiebreaker line with, at best, West Virginia. And from that point forward, because right now Texas has two losses because they lost to West Virginia. And you would then beat, you would have, in, in this situation of Iowa State controlling their own destiny, they would have beaten Texas to put them off of the two line, and you would have had a head-to-head matchup with them. And then your only tie would be West Virginia. You beat them head-to-head, so boom, you're in the title game. And like I said, I believe if that, if it would be Iowa State-Oklahoma in the, in the title. I would be hard-pressed. That, I mean, would, that would be, the, in my mind, the matchup of the two best teams yeah. in the league. Kyler Murray is the X factor, in, again, in this theoretical game. Let's not look too far forward, because obviously Baylor coming to Iowa State, this is not something to sneeze at. They're a team, they've won five games already. They're, they're a team that could pick you off if you don't look at them. I think that Iowa State knows this. This doesn't seem like a these, trap game. These, this team does not seem <laughs> like a get-trapped team. No. They don't seem like a... For, well... The uh, the Texas Tech start of that game, yeah, that was I think that, that was a could, hangover. I, I was say I think you could even attribute some of that to the fact that they were coming off their bye week. Yeah, but but still, um, in this situation, like Kyler Murray would just be the X factor because you look at every everybody else. If it was just another quarterback, like another like just an, another dude, every game they play, he is. He is the difference. He is the, the best the, player the on the game. field. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think if Tua wins the Heisman over Kyler Murray, it's, a, it's an injustice. Like, There's no way that Tua is not winning the Heisman, to be completely honest. When you watch, he's just, he is the, the head of just the best team on the field. Oh, I agree 100%, but I'm telling you right now, there's no way the dude's not winning the Heisman. He, uh, I'm just saying, like, I, I think that Kyler Murray is the better of the two players. Okay. You put Kyler Murray on Alabama's roster you get not only the results that they're getting right now, you're getting better results than you're getting right now, which your team's scoring 100. Like, there's no way, uh, there's no way to measure that. But anyway, so like for the rest of the season, basically the moral I was getting at is root for Oklahoma. Like as much as you may not like it, the best thing for Iowa State is to have Oklahoma win for the rest of the season and West Virginia lose as much as they can especially just to OU. Like, it, minimum, Iowa State wins out, Oklahoma wins out, they're in the t- those two are in the title game. If things get messy, if West Virginia beats Oklahoma, and then Iowa State 
runs the table, then it's going to be West Virginia, Oklahoma. Like that's going to be, that's going to end up being the title game. Back to back weeks. Back to back weeks. But let's say like somewhere in there, like OU loses in Bedlam and then they beat West Virginia. Now all the teams have two losses and that would be team A, team beats, then West Virginia beats Oklahoma, Oklahoma beats Iowa State, Iowa State beats West Virginia. And then you have this just big trifecta of going down to like multiple tiebreakers after that. So the easiest, cleanest... And at that point, we just... All three teams meet out out there on the field, and then they fight to the death. Yeah. Give and then whoever's left after that, they play football for the Big 12 title. <laughs> I'll take Dave Montgomery. I'm just, just saying. That's what they should do. They should each... No. They each send out their mascot. It's time to fight. Psy fights the horse? Or do they get the actual schooner? No, they... they the schooner. They get, schooner? They get the... Uh, that's they got to send the horse out there. Just like the horse head, like the, the foam horse, like not the actual horse, because that's not fair. Right. No, like, yeah. Cy can't. No, the fo- yes, the foam horse. Yes, the, the horse that is in a mascot suit. But I think the mount- a person but, but inside the Mountaineer of the wins mas- that. No way. He's got weapons. It's not a real gun. Right, but he can at least like rifle butt somebody with that. All right, what kind of weapon can we give Cy? Well, I mean, a, a wind gun? <laughs> Yo, I do think... <laughs> Stop, this is marginally inconvenient. <laughs> Blow his, his, coonkin, uh, or his, uh, his coonskin cap oh, off, of, off of his head. Dang it. I don't want to fight anymore. <laughs> you scuffed my hat. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, you butt. Man. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you want to know why, like, just a teeny, like, little tip of the iceberg? We can get into this at another, a different time. But why Boomer Sooner is such a, like... Well, I know why they're the Sooners. I know that. Um, so, Boomer Sooner is the, I believe this is, I'm, I'm going to make sure, like, I'm not... It has something to do with, like... like 99% the- sure. So, initially, like, the city of Oklahoma, or Oklahoma City was initially... Uh, Indian territory and yeah, the, the, the U.S. The, like kicked everybody out of because like hey it's we like need plots to, of land we need to stuff. save yeah. some type of land for the Indians and then at some point everyone's like hey I want that land and sounds think, like typical white people things. yeah typical white people things and so anyway they basically cordoned off an area and they said at noon you can just run in and take whatever you want and so that was the the boomers is like you could just go take whatever Indian land that you want because it was, it's yours now it was basically the uh, the like it's eight, the Black it like, Friday. It was basically the 1850s equivalent. Uh, you remember the show that they when they'd go to Toys R Us and, and just the grab kid, as many the kid would run through with his cart and grab as many toys as he possibly it's, could. It's that. It was the 1840s equivalent of that. And the funny thing is, is what is noon? There was no standardized time, and so like some areas because what the it's hell like, is it's like. It's a hundred. What is noon? It's a hundred. It's 137 square miles. And so like there would be some, some that have like soldiers cordoned off and like some would start it with a gun and some would shout go. And some people had horses and like, there's no like organization to it at all. So that's the land boom. So those were boomers. And then the people that were Sooners cheated that system. And so they like either snuck in like days before, before the military set up the border and like hid in trees already inside the land that was there. Or they like just left early. And then like, what's the government going to like, what is, what's this like? You got a dozen soldiers and like 500 people and like 200 of them leave early. 
Which people are you gonna go get? You don't remember which ones they are. And so those were Sooners. So literally, Boomer Sooner is like, we're gonna go steal land from the Indians just because we wanted it. Native and Americans, come na- on. cultural appropriation Nat- here. Native Amer- okay, cool. And then Sooners cheated the Boomers out of actually getting the land. So they just walked in before the time actually started. So the rule that they created so they could just steal land, they then cheated their own rules so they could get more land. And people are like, Boomer Sooner. <laughs> Jeff, you think that's messed up? Just wait till I tell you about the Trail of Tears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's up? <laughs> what's up? It's just like this is turned into a history podcast now. There's another thing, which is like the Floyd of Rosedale. Like I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, wasn't it about how somebody stole a pig? No. Oh, what was it? Again, this is. To the best of my knowledge, and this is reading through like an article, it's like the mil- like Minnesota I mean, Sun-Times, the big, something like that. All the Big Ten trophies are weird. They literally, play, who is it that plays for the spittoon? The old brass jug or oh, whatever yeah. it is. Old brown, little brown jug. Well, I think it's, is that Wisconsin and Minnesota? Um, yeah, it might be, but it's literally, no, that's or is the, that Paul Bunyan's yeah. ask? Axe. Um, but no, so ask. The, ask, Paul Bunyan's ask. Just questions. Have you, ask him. Can you go ax him? I'm going to ax you. Um, but anyway, so this is, to the best of my knowledge, and we can look this up to, like, to confirm it, um, to the best of my knowledge, the Floyd Rosedale actually has something to do with Jack Trice. So Minnesota, uh, racist, back in the 1920s, 1930s. Super racist. Super racist. And so they are the ones that actually, in the game, like killed, like, killed Jack. And so Correct. they took so many cheap shots, they like need him when he was on the ground, like, and because it was racist, it, like, he couldn't receive care at the hospital, so he was like having to travel farther and died from those injuries. I mean, it's the same reason that he wrote his letter the night before right. the game. Right, it's because he, yeah. he was like, they're racist, and like, this is gonna, there's a chance Well, no, that- and it, they wouldn't let him eat dinner or something like that. He had to be in a room by himself, and like, there's a bunch of different. So, anyway. Um, I, I probably, yeah, more or less, like, I think I got that right, but. Yeah, so again, this is an all more or less thing. And so, um, and I forget which one is Floyd, which one is Rosedale. And so the University of Iowa also had a black player, and this is like in the early 1930s, like 1931, 1932. And uh, so he, Iowa had a black player, and Minnesota still super racist. They were taking so many cheap shots. Iowa was basically like, look, because the year prior they took so many cheap shots, and they took they were like so again, racist to this guy, they're like, we're not even going to come play the game. This is not okay. And the governor of Minnesota basically bet a pig that was like, hey, you can take the biggest pig in Minnesota. We're not going to be racist. And then they made a trophy out of that. That's the trophy. Like, look up the story. Again, it's, it may not be stati- like, it may not be 100% accurate, but like the general themes of that story are the fact that that trophy exists because Minnesota promised Iowa they weren't going to be that racist. Did you hear that... Uh Somebody at Army in, like injured the Falcon from Air Force because they tried to take the Falcon. Well, they actually, no, they successfully took the Falcon, heard it, and then realized that they messed up and by they, hurting the Falcon. They tried to give it back? And they gave it back, and they're like, yeah, that was our bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those darn hijinks <laughs> injuring a mascot and an actual bird. Man, it's it's crazy how much that kind of stuff used to happen, though. You know, it's like... Now, you know, I, I know that these rivalries are probably more heated than they even were at that point, but they were still doing some crazy stuff to each other, like to try and mess with people. And during those, that's where a lot of those trophies come from. Like it's about the, some sort of stupid prank that somebody played on somebody else. And yeah. it's like, uh, 
Well, have you ever heard of the telephone? Why yeah, they had the, the telephone trophy? No. It was because... Which I don't think Iowa State ever had. It was because of something like with the... The phones like on the field got messed up. And so they, they were like... Then they were... Instead of being connected to the box, they were connected to each other. <laughs> and it was like... It happened like two years in a row. So then after that, they just like... They... Then they just played for the telephone trophy. It was like it happened once in Ames and then it happened once in Columbia. And it was like, all right, well, now we play for the telephone. And then I think Missouri won like 17 in a row. Yeah, I know that Missouri has the last, has it. it there was one well, time. Well, I don't know that they have we it. We went I, down there. They I think did have it. I only it, played down at Mizzou once. And so Rhodes tried to pump up like the telephone trophy thing. We got to be like 52 to 14, some ridiculous, like 42 maybe. That would have been like the Chase Daniel years, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Was it? Maybe. Uh, I know that there is a tight end. It was the year of like, Colin Franklin was a tight end that year, and it was they had that was the Chase Daniel era, okay. right in there. And so anyway, they had the one, Gabbert era too. They had one quote tight end that was not a tight end; it was just a big wide receiver. Anyway, he won that the 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 Mackey. The yeah, he won the Mackey, and he's the Big Twelve tight end of the year. And I was like, oh, this is BS. But anyway, um, they didn't even like bring the trophy to their locker room. It was just like. They just left it on the sideline. No, like it wasn't even on the sideline. Like they forgot it. Like just didn't have it. Oh, they just didn't bring it. They, they just, just like, bring it. Like they're like, yeah, sorry guys, we forgot the trophy. Yeah, whoops. Yeah, you didn't even have it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. If uh, if Missouri's not not cowards, they'll bring the trophy on Friday night to Hilton Coliseum Woo! for Mizzou Iowa State in shooty hoops. In in the round ball. In the round ball. If they're not cowards, this is a this is a call. To Columbia, Missouri, if you guys aren't cowards, you'll bring come, the we'll, telephone. Bring the telephone, and we'll duke it out for good. In basketball. On the, on the hard court. We can start talking about basketball next week, and we wouldn't have as much ra- super random tangents. I don't believe that at all. Yeah, we, we will. We probably should end this. Yeah, we should. Do you think you'd look good with cornrows? I don't have hair. You kind of look like White Iverson, which brings me back to Post Malone, which brings us back full circle for this entire podcast. Thanks again to Iowa Diamond for being the presenting sponsor of Football and Random Things. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Peace.